From Suffolk County, New York, this program is sponsored in part by WUSB, Long Island's largest non-commercial free-form radio station. Check them out at 90.1 FM or online at WUSB.FM. Previously on Writers Come Ice Cream. My name is Howard Gunston, and I want to be a writer when I grow up. I think that's what made me really get serious about it. And really what what did it was facing mortality and, and the fact that my parents had passed away. What happens after that first book becomes a bona fide success? This is Writer's Comma Ice Cream, a weekly craft talk where a pair of scribblers risk brain freeze to answer one question. What's it take to be a writer? I feel everything discreetly, the roar, the tumult, a low incandescent sky. The rocks jet nakedly, barnet gold and painted in shit. This is Kathy Lynn Che, reading from her debut book, Split. It's a collection of poetry published by Alice James Books in 2014. In disbursement, in the distance sit two lovers full of holes waiting to be wrung out. Here the church bells chime through the streets. A trolley rolls past with its strange sense of dragging. I want to be left alone like a librarian with secrets to keep. Split received high praise from media outlets, including LA Review and Publishers Weekly. It made the Academy of American Poets standout books list of 2014. It also left no doubt that Kathy Lynn Che was now a writer. Emphasis on that capital W. Yeah, I quit. So my book was published um, uh, April or May 2014, and I quit my job. I quit my office job, and I I took off. I I took off on a cross-country road trip because I've never done that before. You know, at the time, I think I was, you know, 33, and I was just feeling like the truth is it it also um, coincided with increased responsibilities at my second job. So I was sort of a, a general kind of manager at my other job and then and then at Kundiman and then I was they asked me if I would be happy would be willing to be the managing director. So I said yes, which is an increase in hours, but it's um half time a half time job. So I took that on and decided and and also, like I said, it's virtual, so it was I could right. work, work remotely. So during this cross country road trip, I was actually working as well, <laughs> <laughs> but I was not working in an office space, you know. Yes. So it you was really exciting. It was it was very liberating. It was so. I you know when you're when you said that I travel more than other people, it's because like I. Um, the liberation has not stopped. <laughs> an author liberated from the shackles of an office job. Oh, how we writers of the lowercase variety dream of that day. Ironic then, because that wasn't exactly what Kathy had in mind. It was never really a dream of mine to publish a book, but there is something really? about the, 
Yeah, I didn't think that I, I, I didn't think that I could be a writer. I just wanted to, like everything was very simple to me. Like I just wanted to teach high school forever and then when I found out that that was highly stressful and I didn't actually <laughs> want to teach forever, it was like I I had to run away to to graduate school to reclaim my writer's identity because I, when I was teaching high school I didn't write at all, you know. Right. And then so is that when you then, started your MFA program was when you kind of yeah. left? Okay. So that was your attempt yeah. to kind of doing a career reboot almost. And it wasn't even a career reboot. I actually thought that it was, even though I didn't love high school, that maybe it could like expand my skill set so I could teach, like I could continue to teach, but perhaps high school wasn't the right level. Maybe it oh, was okay. the right level or something. Yeah. So I was very much of the mindset that, you know, when I was doing my MFA, that the only thing that I was doing was sort of, I mean, it was a dream of mine to study with Sharon Old. She's very important to me. So I guess it was just like kind of two years of not having to teach high school just sounded heavenly and then like getting the chance to. <laughs> I think every teacher would say that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And then getting the chance to study with Sharon Old. That was, that was as simple as it was. I never imagined myself publishing a book. Um, that seems like impossibly far away. Even the idea of studying with Sharon Old seems impossible. Like, like, how is this happening? I was just very, I was very, you know, like I had stars on my eyes. Stars in her eyes, maybe. But no hesitation, it seems, at making the big choices. No, I was very nervous. I was very, very nervous. <laughs> I was very nervous about, in fact, I was ambivalent about quitting teaching. So I, um... I applied to all kinds of programs. I applied to low resident a low residency program where I could continue teaching while writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely um a lot of people who've done low residencies have loved it. Um and I got into one and then I applied to schools like in the area. So I got into a school where it was in you know, I, I lived in Long Beach, California and it was at Cal State Long Beach. So I, I got into that program and I knew I could sort of like continue to teach and take classes there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the other two programs were sort of more traditionally places where you can go and, um, you know, take classes full time. And at the time I was 27 and I, I really, <laughs> I was living what I called the good life in LA. I really <laughs> loved my life, but, but felt like, you know, ignoring my writing was missing and maybe, like, teaching was just very exhausting. Um, so, and and I was saving up for a down payment for a home. That was, like, my, <laughs> you know, that was something I was actively doing. And I really busted my ass saving that money. So I kind of felt like, I don't know if I can spend it on school and feel happy with that. I didn't know. So I was talking to, I surveyed every single one of my friends, like, over and over again. I surveyed my family. I asked them what they thought I should do. It was a difficult decision for me. And I kind of made the decision sort of based on one tiny little factor. Like, you know, I had to make a decision on, like, April 14th or 15th or something. I got a phone call from the director of the program saying, like, have you made a decision yet? I was like... (laughs) I was like, not exactly, and, and <laughs> like, you know, like it, it was a lot of people in my life giving me input. Like somebody very important to me told me, I don't think you're very good at doing two things at once, which is not. I mean, like you think that's like a messed up thing to say, but it's actually somebody who sees me very clearly and is like looking out for me. You know, like I don't think you should work 
and then to do school on top of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and that was very, it was hard for me because NYU, when I got in, it was, I was not fully funded. I received some financial assistance. Um, well, I received some fellowships, but there were like other pending fellowships that I wouldn't know until I said yes, you know, like, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So then, you know, I was just like, I worked really hard for this money. <laughs> like cried over it. <laughs> He's my like, house money. <laughs> like, this is my house. You know? <laughs> so I was like, I, I don't know if I can. You know, I I remember telling my friends, I don't know if I could just flush that down the toilet. They're like, it's not flushing anything down the toilet. It's an investment. I'm like, investment. Well, I mean, there was another school that was gonna fully fund me too. So it was just like it was very fraught at the time. Everything, anything I do is kind of fraught, you know. But but because I'm so happy with the decision. In, you know, looking back, I could say it so, like, I can announce it so happily and glibly, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I just, like, quit my high school teaching job and went, you know, left. Like, you know, I I can't imagine my life any other way. It's tempting to say everything happened so quickly for Kathy, but this was actually the payoff on years of effort. Split came out in 2014, but by that point, you had actually, um, I think you had won the the Kundiman uh, Poetry Prize um, Mm -hmm. in 2012 for Mm -hmm. for some of the pieces that that wound up being in the collection. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to to write the collection that ultimately came to print? Um, that's hard to trace exactly, but um, because the oldest poem I wrote when I was 20, and when it got accepted, I think I was 33. Um, maybe I was 32. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that already, I wouldn't say I have too many poems from undergrad. I might have two in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then and then I took a break from writing. So um, then I started writing poems in 2007 again when I started NYU. So um, so over so I have two poems from that era from 2007. You know my MFA years, 2007 to 2009. I think I have like I probably have like maybe a third or or a little less than a third of those poems written during my MFA program are in there. And then the rest um, were written afterward, and it was written during my, like, very embarrassing fellowship where I stayed, (laughs) (laughs) like, with my parents, you know. Um, I wrote the bulk of, I wrote a lot of poems uh, at that time because I had the kind of, you know, at first I was always ashamed, you know, like, talking about hanging out with my mom so much, but... um, (laughs) Because there's this this value of independence, and but I, I, I recently have have kind of come around to feeling like interdependence is not such a bad thing. You know, we take care of each other. Communities take communities and families take care of each other. Where does our writing come from? For Kathy, we can see the value in living with her parents again. By the time Judy Mandel sought to make sense of her own family's trauma, her parents had already passed away. Kathy not only had immediate access to her parents to research their story, but she once again was in the house that harbored the echoes of her own trauma. Also, the the coming home triggered a lot of, I mean, I was staying in the same sort of house where a lot of the incidents with my cousin and molesting me as a child took place, and that's sort of what brought on kind of a lot of this writing it, it brought on this messy kind of new direction for me. It wasn't entirely new, but it was it was very in, intense and focused and sprawling and formally interesting. 
so, I mean, that happened during that time. And then after my book was accepted, I, I, te- I, I, I think I pulled out about, you know, I pulled out like 20% of the poems and then I added in like another 25%, you know? So like mm-hmm. it changed quite a bit. It changed like a third or more from what, what when it was accepted. Um, I just felt like it was like when it was accepted, I think the very first thing I said was it's, it's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> the book that was not ready was ready enough for some real attention. Up to this point, Kathy had been entering contests to push herself to continue writing. In her words, to stitch the story together one poem at a time. Maybe so maybe we could kind of dig into Split a little bit. Kathy, how did you figure out where your entry point was into how you were going to assemble this collection of poetry. Yeah, so like you mentioned, thematically, it's a lot of sort of different types of trauma, but there's also, when reading the poems that I don't typically read, it was interesting to see, um, you know, desire and just, you know, just love kind of being displayed on these pages as well. So it's a... I would say that um, I guess my interest was in telling, at the time, the only stories that I felt like I knew how to tell. And I I would say that they're in three separate strains. And one is I really wanted to document my parents' stories of the Vietnam War and kind of the aftermath of that. And sort of, I think when people talk about identity or talk about, um, you know, wanting to contend with the biggest mysteries of who we are and where we come from. For me, um, that those experiences that of my parents leaving our country they, you know, lived in and living under wartime and making a new life seemed to me um, like they seemed very necessary for me to understand myself, but they also seemed um, in terms of sort of wanting to be a voice that documents it and records it and presents it, um, it also seemed to me like a like something kind of proactive that I wanted to do. Originally, I had a manuscript that was entirely my parents' stories, really. really? And then I started, yeah. So, and then I kind of started writing a lot about um, the experiences of being, you know, sexually molested as a child and feeling like that was a separate manuscript that was very messy but um but interesting to me and along that like I couldn't help but write a bunch of poems about my heartbreak or whatever it was at that time so and but I would say that those poems all three types of poems felt like they were in somewhat different modes or their voices sounded different even though now that I read it all together it sounds like of the same voice right but at the time it sounded it felt like they don't belong together but they did belong together and they helped an aspiring author win not only a contest but a publishing contract yeah it was a poetry prize so the kundiban poetry prize was a contest that year that i had submitted to and it's in partner it was in that year partnered with alice james book so if you won the prize the the award was that you would get your book published by Alice James and, you know, like the prize That's money. That's a heck of a prize. Congratulations. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Alice James is great because it's a collaborative. Um, so the people selecting 
books, they're all writers and poets and artists themselves. So it's all authors at, it was, I mean, I think the model may have changed, but it was all Alice Jane's authors selecting the next people coming in. Let's return for a moment to the rivalry between self-published and traditionally published. Kathy had an award-winning manuscript, tempting to leave well enough alone. Yet the published version ends with a line different than the manuscript. I can crown myself with my own life. A powerful line that Kathy wrote, but hadn't intended as the last line of the book. So how'd that line receive its promotion? It's the final line of the book. And, like, um, I will say that, you know, like, I, you know, I... I printed out my my poems and I put it on a wall and I edited it as best as I could. But that last poem was sort of like I I buried it somewhere else. I put it in the manuscript, but it wasn't the last thing. And my editor um, kind of went through and suggested that I think this is the right last poem. And I have to agree, you know, I couldn't see it any other way. <laughs> but, you know, well, like, to, yeah, to have the last line be about what you mentioned, like taking whatever, I think, well, I mean, I think I had always imagined sort of trauma or a a sense of disempowerment as this, like, irreparable loss. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I had um, a friend tell me that um, in an earlier draft of my manuscript, he, he just told me, you know, this just makes me really angry at the that the people who've done these things. Um and I need and he said, I think it's not fair to ask, but you like I think I need a sense of redemption. And I remember my response at the time is like, I don't believe in redemption, you know? Mm-hmm. But I will say that through the process of writing the book, I mean, that last poem is the last poem I had written. Um period you know, during that the I, it was it's the last poem I had written, and it's also now the last poem in the book that it was it was definitely a kind of turning point for me to sort of feel that um that it's not that oh I'm suddenly healed or something like that, but that you know I have owned these experiences and they are mine, and that's like very empowering very powering for the author as well as the work. What began with a poem written some 13 years before its publication culminated with the Norma Farber First Book Award for Split. So the process is that Alice James, which is, like I said, a great supportive publisher, they sent out to different contests. So the Norma Farber First Book Award, um, you know, accepts submissions from the publisher. So Alice James sent my book in. and from that, I think there were there was like some kind of back end. It's really there's like you know there's writers who sort of read through the submissions. There there must be first readers, you know, and mm-hmm. they probably rate the books or something, and then they send their the top picks. Um, I don't know if there's a second round or whatever, but they send the top picks, the finalists who are all great. Like uh, I, I definitely feel honored to be in their company and they send them to a, a judge who and it was Agent Matika and he selected my book and and when they sent me some kind of email I just like started like crying <laughs> I started 
crying. And <laughs> <laughs> it started like running around the kitchen or something. And then, and then I read his write up and I started crying some more. It was really great. I I think, <laughs> and it, and and it's not it's not really. I mean, I think for me, it's, it wasn't just about like receiving an award, but I mean, um, like his his citation was really very moving to me because it was about sort of uh, how, it, you know, there are certain moments like when people read your work and, and write a review that makes you feel like, okay, you really um, are communicating back that you got everything that I, I had kind of wanted to intend to, you know, in other words, I it's like a realization that my book is actually communicating what I had wanted or intended for it to communicate, and that's extremely gratifying. It almost feels like mm. that's what writing's for. It's like to connect in some kind of way to somebody else out there, and and you know, so I feel yeah. I think it's that kind of recognition, the the way you know, like I was talking about cooking chili with somebody else. Like writing is not just like the solitary pursuit that people think it is. It is very communal because as soon as somebody reads what you're writing, you're 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 automatically in a community of of people who are, you know, and it's not about. I, I would say it's not really about ego, but sort of like, in you know, the act of reading is sort of the the act of like having your humanity sort of like, um, in some ways expanded or in some ways seen, you know, or in some ways validated. Um, yeah, absolutely. Humanity validated. Debut novel respected. This sounds like the perfect time for an ice cream challenge. You know, it's really funny with, um, so we're supposed to be eating ice cream, but it's a chilly day, so I'm eating a bowl of chili. Could you describe for us the experience of eating the bowl of chili? Sure. Um, it's very warm. It's nourishing. Like, um, right. this bowl of chili my friend Will and I made last night. I mean, this pot of chili. So it, it's not only, you know, nourishing and warm on a cold day, but it is like kind of the shared experience of creating something together. It's really beautiful. While Kathy described the shared experience of making chili, an email was on its way to her. We had one prompt down and one to go. I have the email. Yay! And you want me to write for five minutes? And then... Yep, and if, if you feel like you finished before the five minutes, that's fine. I'm just going to sit here in silence drinking my iced tea. Um, okay. while I give you five minutes. Are you ready? I'm All ready. Right, here we go. Remember, listener, we're keeping you in the dark on this until the end of the season. All the guests of Writers, Ice Cream see the same visual prompt. And for now, we simply ask them to share with us the opening line and closing line. And we have time. Great. Woo! Okay. Kathy Lynchay, now that you have taken the visual writing prompt, would you share with us your first line? Sure. Um, so, did you know that for so long my body had been a construction site? Ooh, I like the connection here. Um, and your last line? Um, the double lines double, warning, this is a wall, do not enter. Kathy, I love um, uh, this strength there in the opening and the closing. So can you take us into your process? How did you approach this? Um, so I actually stole 
this is a beginning line from another poem that that I like that I haven't published or anything. So I just typically when I look at something visual, I just put down whatever's in my mind. And then from that, I go line by line just following my train of thought. And um, I, I moved from description. Um, you know, I wrote about the orange cones. I wrote about... Um, so I was sort of going through and visually just describing what was happening in the photo um, and and maybe kind of mapping on sort of some kind of psychic thing on top of it. I, I think I tend to do the that and then um okay. and then I went into a memory and then I just you know looked back into the photo and said like oh I noticed something else and I thought about sort of what it means and it seems to call back that first line so I wrote it and felt like that's the end. <laughs> that is a lot of work in five minutes. So what's next for this award winning author who quit her office job? You know, some people they, they say they talk about their next book all the time and it's I don't know if I'm gonna have a next book to be honest. You know, like I'm just um I'm I'm just writing. I'm doing I'm doing the best I can to figure out what it is that I'm interested in and and what it is that I'm sort of going to continue to pursue. And once again, I'm in awe of Kathy's ease with career milestones. Where I might see angst at finding that next project, she sees opportunities. She recently traveled to Asia on a travel grant to conduct research on a new project. Maybe book two will be the focus of this research, or maybe it won't. Yeah, it's like I'm, I do feel that way. I feel like um, I've... In some ways, I've designed a life that, you know, feels very meaningful to me. I, I wrote this book that I care so deeply about and am so proud of. And, you know, it's out of my hands and I'm really happy with um, with that. And, like, if I never create another book, I don't know that I will feel like I've failed in any way. I feel like I did this, this beautiful thing, you know. Um, but I guess... And and I wouldn't publish something else unless I felt very compelled to, like if I felt like, you know. But the pressure, I think, is more sort of if if I were to pursue like an academic job, I think that would be um, something where people feel like I got to compete with other poets who are all applying to a job and like should strike when the iron is hot. And like there's a lot of real... And I don't want to diminish that very real pressure. I think it's, you know... From the Pope people, Yeah, it's, it's from the Pope I think it's very real. I don't really... Um, you know, and people need to live and they need to feed themselves, you know? So, yeah. But, I, I, you know, I think the pressure is off because I did some soul searching and I have decided on a new direction for my career. And I think I'm going to go back to school and, and like, I want to be a therapist. So... Uh, like a mental health counselor. So I'm Kathy, that's about, amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking about sort of going back to school and, um, yeah, like maybe working with like a college level, college age population. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff that's happening sort of organically around, you know, the, the, the poems that I've written, I feel like I could just work one-on-one -on -one with people. And that seems... That seems like like the most at this juncture like like a, a very fulfilling job for me. So 
Again, we're at a life moment here for Kathleen <laughs> yeah. uh, I Wow. Split is available from all major online retailers and in bookstores nationwide. Whether it's getting published, becoming a therapist, or traveling across country on a homegrown book tour, Kathy Lynn Che proves that life is out there waiting for us to seize it. An author whose MFA led her to the writer's life. But what do we do once we've got our hands on that W? How do we corral it into a sustainable career? That's next time on Writers, Ice Cream, and a Lot of Books with Lee Mandel. My friend asked me, what's your, what's your dream as a poet? And I said, I think I'm living the dream, you know? Um, yeah, I really do think that, you know, I created... I love that quote. I'm guaranteeing you right now that quote's <laughs> going to go on the podcast. <laughs>